Well, thank you for that uh, song, Gary. And uh, I want to welcome you today to our sermon. I again, have Joel Butler with us, one of our elders. Joel, it's great to have you. Um, I wanted to first, uh, before I have you pray, just encourage people to come with us on Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to do a, just a special intimate time with Easter, and uh, we will certainly meet then and have another online service. But we're going to postpone our main festivities for Easter later on after uh, we can get back together. So um, we'll have an Easter redo sometime later in the summer. So uh, just want you to look forward to that. So today, Joel, we're going to talk some more about perseverance and endurance. And uh, would you mind leading us with uh, prayer? Yeah, no problem. Lord, we just come before you uh, and ask and just that you would help us during this time of great need. Lord, I know our country's facing uh, great challenges, both in terms of the health of the people as well as just economically and in our body. Lord, as we look out on the world around us, there's a tendency to, to roll back in fear. Uh, and we don't want to be people that respond in fear. We want to look to you and be encouraged in our faith. Lord, we just call upon you today to speak to us through your word. We know that we do not live by bread alone, but we live by your word that proceeds from your mouth, and that we know you are the rock of ages, that we can seek refuge uh, under your wing, uh, and you're a great fortress to us. And so we know we've got a safe place to run, and we just call upon you today that you would uh, take your word, apply it in our hearts and our minds, use your spirit, Father, to, to teach us, to guide us, uh, to help strengthen us and develop this attribute of perseverance as we weather these storms right now and some are facing great challenges uh, financially and maybe with their health and, and other situations that are unfolding around us. We just pray that we look to you, that our faces would be radiant and that we would have great peace in the midst of a storm that's outside of our door. So we just pray and commit this time into your hands He'll speak to us through your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Joel. You know, I failed to say in the beginning how fun this has been to do this with you these uh, past two or three weeks. I've really enjoyed this. We might be on to something to, when we get back to uh, regular Sundays, do this on Sunday morning. I don't know. I really yeah. enjoy this. I just really, yeah. really enjoy this interaction. I, do. I have too, Kevin. I have too. It's been it's been a wonderful time and great fun for me and and uh, uh, just really enjoyed spending the time with you talking through these passages and and sharing the time with the body as well. So isn't it fun? I mean, I got to tell you, when I look back on like um, my early Bible school years, some of my most memorable uh, memorable times were working through passages with other guys. And uh, just trying to, you know, seeing their insights. And I mean, you talk about deep fellowship over the word of God, man, I, that, that's just where it's at. I just really enjoy that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's great. Yeah. And this has been one of those times, hasn't it? Yeah. It really has. It really has. So I, I appreciate all your work that you've put forth in doing this. And um, so let's go ahead and dig in. I wanted to talk, first of all, um, about uh, something that the history books might say. Uh, there was a global epidemic, uh, pandemic, excuse me, uh, caused by a virus, and the number of infected people grew daily. Officials recommended you know, frequent hand washing and quarantining of, of, of the sick. Several cities went so far as to ban public worship service and other public gatherings. And in the end, the pandemic killed 50 million people including 675,000 Americans. But we're not describing COVID-19, but rather what is commonly known as the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918. Chris Gurr is a history professor, recently wrote about how churches and church leaders responded to this pandemic uh, as reported by local newspapers. Here's what he said. Some pastors were creative and led outdoor services, encouraged home worship, and even were reading sermons published in newspapers. Um, an interim pastor in San Francisco preached that many Christians 
had caused the pandemic as a result of being cowardly and worldly, and only repentance of these sins would stop the spread of the virus. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, a Methodist leader wrote that the pandemic should convince intelligent Christians to trust science rather than seeking to tempt God to perform a miracle in the preservation of our health. And then some pastors refused to close the doors uh, and held services in protest. And in at least one city, a pastor was arrested for refusing to cancel services. And then a newspaper of Worcester, um, Massachusetts reported on how Christians were responding. It said women from three local churches were taking care of epidemic orphans. They not only gave food and clothing, but supplied them with plenty of um, healthy uh, recreation and instruction as well. That sound familiar? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's so interesting to look at these historical accounts and how other Christians were responding. And we see the same, you know, variety and span of, of reactions. But what I want to focus on is that when people of faith meet hardship, I think the need of the hour is what we've been talking about, endurance, perseverance. And that's not just staying alive, but having our faith thriving and growing in the midst of our travail and, and, and the problems we've been experiencing. I mean, down uh, where we live, we've got families that are seeking to endure this season with kids that are not in school, parents are working from their home, we got the social distancing that's presenting challenges to relationships. And I've met people of all ages and all circumstances, and many are very anxious. And of course, all of us know that uh, you and I both know people that lost their jobs during the season. And uh, in time, I imagine most of us are gonna know personally those who have COVID-19. So to people of faith, um, the need is to not just make it, but I think when we talk about endurance is to do so with our faith intact and strengthened. So last week we looked at how our view of the future can give us motivation to endure. And today we're gonna to look at um, what God provides for us in the present, what he provides for us now to equip us to persevere. So Joel, uh, there's a passage we've been kind of looking at and uh, I'd like for you to kind of introduce that and uh, and share that with us, and uh, and then we'll we'll talk about that, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna read here Hebrews twelve uh, one and two, the first couple of verses. But just as a little background, I mean, we know that the writer of Hebrews has built a pretty strong case to these Hebrew uh, believers to try to move them towards you know continuing to endure and persevere amidst a time period when they probably were facing a call to go back to Judaism, go back to all the other practices that that were wrapped up in the Old Testament sort of uh, Jewish law-keeping sort of old, old covenant, if you will. So yeah, he does a lot to make this case. And then he gets to 11 and he just defines what faith is. And he gives all these witnesses going all the way back to, you know, Noah and bringing us all the way forth. Uh, to a lot of really cool examples. And then you get here in 12.1 where he says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joys set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So incredible passage here. And of course he starts out with the therefore in light of all these things I've established now, let's talk about you know the rubber hitting the road and, and walking and living out this, this life uh, for Christ, what it looks That's like to persevere. Isn't this a majestic passage? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think it's common that in a passage like this, the, a lot of believers hear that we either tune out, 
just take a casual approach to it and really not dig in and see some of the riches that are there. And we're not going to have time to look at every aspect because I think what we want to do today is look at some of the things that are in the present that we can do. And we'll come back to this passage after Easter and look at in the past how that affects us. So let's let's open this up with this first idea of uh, let us lay aside every encumbrance. It has, has the idea of shaking some things off. And, um, you know, it reminds me of an Olympic runner that, you know, if you look at that person who's running, he's a lot different than, let's say, a football lineman. You know, uh, a runner has a lot less fat, which means no extra weight to carry down the track. Um, and, uh, you know, he's laying aside every encumbrance. In fact, this word means weight. So he's saying, shake off the excess weight. But the word um, can also mean something outside, like an encumbrance. So, for instance, let's just go back to the Olympic runner. You know, he's got you know, skimpy shorts on and just a very yeah. light shirt. And then you have a football player or, or a hockey player you know, they got shoulder pads. Uh, they're not near as free to run. And so the, the, the passage makes a distinction um, between, you know, a sin and then this outside encumbrance. And I think what the author is trying to convey is that we often do things, uh, speaking of encumbrance, that are not necessarily wrong. Um but they still impede our progress. And uh, you know, it could be something that maybe in and of itself is not bad, but it still weighs us down. It diverts our attention, it, it saps our strength, it, it dampens our enthusiasm for the things of God. And um, can, you, can you think of some things, you know, speak to this idea of, of encumbrance and uh, things that might do that in terms from the outside, and then we'll look at we'll look at sin here in in, in yeah. a second. Yeah. Well, first off, I was just going to comment on the sort of the analogy that the writer here is uh, is using because he, he likens this walk or you know actually a run, if you will, for the for the Christian life as a long distance run or race. And I think you're correct to point to some of these things in, in athletics. I mean, I remember when I ran distance, we would train with just normal, you know, everyday running shoes. But when the race came, you'd put on racing flats or very, very lightweight spikes. And all of a sudden you felt this, you're like, oh, wow, you know, I don't have that weight on my feet like I normally do. And it, it makes a difference. You actually it, you know, it impacts the way you run. And so, you know, you look at this in terms of the Christian life and you say, what are these things that can be an encumbrance to us? And obviously, I think for each of us, they can maybe take on a little different look and feel here and there. We each have things that can slow us down or weight us down. Um, but I think that you're right to point out some of these in and of themselves may not even be bad. I mean, I actually look right now at what's going on with COVID-19 and think, um, you know, some, for some of us, the, the weight may simply be our overbooked lives that are just so busy that we, we just can't free up to, to move forward well for the Lord. We may get up and immediately we're out the door and where's the word? Well, we didn't, we didn't make any time to read it. We get home, we got to put dinner on the table and we got to get kids ready and then we got to go to a soccer practice and we... Before you know it's where's the word there where's the and and you just sort of you have all these things that are blocking your ability to to really spend time with the lord or develop a walk with them that it's uh, it's distracting it's encumbering to your walk and you look now with this covid 19 situation in some ways it's actually helped us and at least and i'll just speak for myself and my family it's actually a little easier right now to lay aside some of these encumbrances because guess what? We're told to stay at home. We're told to, we're, you know, all the events have been canceled. There is no, there are no practices this week. There, you know, so in a way, I think we're actually in an opportune time to 
put this to practice and develop some good disciplines to you know get up and spend some good time with the Lord and with our families uh, laying aside some of these things that can be easy distractions. Yeah, and I, I think we've mentioned this before, but I know as elders we talked about this in our video conference this week, is what what is God saying to us? What is he saying to our families as individuals? And what is he saying to us as a church? Yeah. You know, we, we've known all along the church is not a building. Um, but, you know, what is it that God is saying to us? And I think mm -hmm. that the, the problem with an encumbrance is that it distracts us. Yes. And we get our eyes off of, you know, of Christ and off the word. And we all do it. I'm, I'm yes. just as guilty, you know. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a house, a boat, you know. Um, yeah. we, we just were in the middle of refinancing our house because the rates have really come down. And like, you know, you get fixated on it and, and you, you know, concentrate on that. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with giving it attention. But, you know, I don't want it to be my preeminent thing, and my life yeah. is not hinging on that. Um, yeah. And so uh, I don't want to obsess about it. But I think yeah. there is a healthy obsession to Jesus. Yes. There's laying aside things that get in the way of our focus on him. And I think that's, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, and, and like you point out with a house or a boat or a car, I mean, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with these things. Um, but it's, do we let them become an encumbrance? I mean, we always joke in my family, I've had this old Datsun that I've been working on for over, well over a decade. And they're like, well, why does it take so long? Well, I just, I just, you know, I have to sometimes lay aside things. I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to sit out there and collect dust because I've got other things. Well, it's obviously not an encumbrance because you take it forever to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, then, then we talk about sin. It says, and and the sin which so easily entangles us. Uh, so here's another thing that gets us off target. Um, you know, kind of like you know, you're trying to run, and you maybe got string around your ankles, kite string or something. You know, the a, a habitual sin keeps us from running with endurance. Um, you know, it saps our energy, it defeats us, it can overtake us. Uh, people can feel like they're no good to God and others, and therefore um, they'll just maybe sit out the race. And uh, does that remind you of anybody? You know, David? Yeah. Psalm 32. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have your Bible ready where you can read that? Yeah. Yeah, now I can read that. Uh, yeah, Psalm 32, David says in verse 3, says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Uh, so it's very, yeah, you get the picture of someone that's, you know, really, they've, they've kept silent about their sin. They haven't dealt with it. They haven't gone to the Lord here. David hasn't. And he's he's come around now, obviously, and now he's wanting to tell others, look, when I when I walked that road, it, I mean, it affected his his, his body. I mean, his ability to, to function well and good health and good, you know, just, you know, physiological health, you know, both in his mind and his body, he, he was, it really impacted him. Yeah, you know, I think a, a healthy church is a confessing church. Yes. A healthy church is one in which people are just honest. You know, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I have this yeah. issue. You know, people, I, I often get asked about whether we practice church discipline or not. And I think what people mean by that is, you know, do you ever get to a point where you have to, you know, um, uh, you know, excommunicate somebody or make it public, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But the, the fact is, is that if you look at, you know, Matthew 18's picture of confronting somebody, then taking in another witness and then bringing it before the whole church, you think about that, that goes on all the time. In other words, we're always talking about our issues. We're always talking, you know, I'm struggling with this and that that's a confession or, you know, can you help me with this? And it's like, I love that our people are so honest and in doing that, because I think that's the first step 
in in repenting and and changing direction. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because David, you know, I think he learned that firsthand that when he didn't live a life of of confession and and dealing with the problems that he that he had you know caused that he had sinned in it caused him great problems he said in psalm 38 4 i thought this was an interesting one it says for my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden they weigh too much for me so now we're that idea back to being the weight again you know he's you know, he realizes that you know, if I walk under the burden of my sin, I've got to confess and get that out before the Lord and then go on in the in the everlasting way. Because yes. I think he had learned that that's that's the only way as you know, as a as a servant of the Lord, we all know we're going to stumble. It's how do we deal with it when we do? Are we quick to turn to the Lord? Are we quick to confess? Are we quick to repent? If we are, then we get out from under these burdens and and the weights of them just continuing down on us. So, yeah, I think these are things that are common to the human experience: stress, um, less sleep, decreased motivation. These are the kind of things that really weigh down on us, and I think that's the kind of thing that David was experiencing. Yeah, and they're they're all signs that show, you know, our attitude that needs to change and our posture that needs to change from yes. one of defensiveness to one of on our knees and, and confessing and, and not isolating ourselves in a, in a relational sense, even though now we have the physical isolation. Um, I don't want to get in the habit of not talking. You know, I'm, I'm actually having just as many conversations with people being on the phone, texting, yeah. video conference now than I ever have. Uh, I've been commenting, I'm busier now than I've ever been, even though we've got this kind of lockdown thing going on. Yeah. But, um, uh, and I, that, that doesn't, I don't say that as a way of complaining. I actually enjoy the interaction and, and the communication. But the point is that you don't want that when you're in sin, typically. You don't want that when you're defensive. You want to stay away. You don't want to reveal your true self to people. And, and, and that's, not a, that's not a good sign. You know, when Paul instructed Timothy, who was a young pastor, about how to last in ministry, he told him in 1 Timothy 6.11 to flee from these things. And you know, he gave a list of, of sins that impact the servant of God. And they said, pursue perseverance. You know, same word we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this, this endurance. And then of course, Hebrews says, to let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So not only, not just to run the race, but we're called to run the race with endurance. That means a steadfastness, uh, uh, a patient continuing. And um, uh, so there's, there's also, I think in this, the the uh, perspective of expecting that it's going to be long and it's going to be arduous. Yes. Um, you know, in the in the ancient Greek Olympiad, there was a race called the torch race, in which runners ran with torches raised above their heads. And the interesting thing about the race is that it wasn't necessarily just the one who finished the race that won, but it was the one who finished the race with his torch lit who was the victor. And endurance says, I want to finish with my torch still lit. I don't want to just finish, but I want to finish well. And the meaning of that, I think, is that our, our hearts are in a good place. You know, we're in a good relationship with Jesus. We're faithful to the gospel. Uh, we're listening to the word. Um, our character's not being compromised. You know, we're loving well. And the fact is, you know, I can look at seasons. I've been pastor for over 30 years, and I can see seasons in my life where I was not loving well, my heart was not in a good shape, and if I would have stayed there, I would have not endured. That's a fact. Um, and thankfully, those times are, you know, didn't do me in at the time, but I, you know, I see other people that, just, not just in ministry, but just in life, they might put on a good show, but behind the scenes, you know, they're not treating people well. You know, for pastors, are we treating our staff well? 
maybe their their marriage is you know in a lot worse shape than what they let on um, you know heart filled with jealousy and rage I think these are people with their torch out right yeah. and, they need, and they need to attend to that and finish well doesn't mean perfect I'm not saying that at all but just that you know we we shorten the gaps between where we should be and where we're at and we're just honest about that yeah uh, and, yeah yeah uh, go ahead yeah, I was just going to comment on this about the, you know, you, the, the idea that's going to be long, it's going to be arduous, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be times where he seasons where the torch, in a sense, you know, you, it goes out and you got to tend to it. Um, you know, one thing as you study the scriptures and, and some of the narrative stories in the Old Testament, it's interesting that there, there's... Sometimes you, you find a, a common warning as you study the lives of some of these Old Testament folks. Some of them started very strong and then they they didn't finish too well. Um, and I've always I've always that's always concerned me. It's like, you know, it is a long distance race. You can start a race great and then finish lousy or vice versa. You know, you start poorly and finish real strong. And I think that it's good to note that that here in Hebrews, we're hearing the message. This is, you're going to have to know, this is a, it's like a long distance race. You know, there's yeah. going to be times where you'll face obstacles and you'll have to, you know, push through that. You might feel good for a while. No side aches. Everything's going well. Uh, great. But then there's going to be a time where you, you know, you've got a problem on your hands. And, you know, uh, Brandon was a cross country runner here. He has been for a few years at, at high Your school. And, yeah, my son. Yeah. And he had a race this past year where his shoe came off. I mean, it was a, there was, a, I don't know, 120 people maybe in this race. And his shoe came off in the first 100 yards. It, even when his own teammates, you know, clipped him and took off his shoe. And here I am running around and watching Brandon. I'm like, he's not quite running as well as he could. I'm yelling at him. You, know, you don't look at a person's feet when they're running by you. So I'm yelling at you. You got to get going. And, and, you know, he's having to deal with running over sticks and out in fields with, with oh, no man. shoe on. But anyway, you never know what you're going to encounter, you know. So um, I think you, you do look at it and you say, you, you, it's going to be long. It's going to be hard, but let's finish strong. By the way, just to finish that story, Brandon actually ended up finishing that race with one of his best times. It was like after he sort of got over that and he just kept pushing through he actually did finish well which was that's cool you know i you never would have thought it but so yeah there's there is this admonition to work hard and know that we're going to encounter obstacles and we got to finish strong so yeah you know i think there's a lot to be said here and i don't want to get too far afield but you know yeah yeah for yeah. us as christians to look for the shiniest thing to look for the biggest thing you know and i think what we expect in the christian life ought to be faithfulness, ought to be obedience. And instead, it's a lot of these other things that, you know, we count as kind of, I don't know, I, I think it's part of just living in the Western culture, this um, kind of triumphalism that people think they're going to experience when life is hard for many of us. And so um, faithfulness and obedience is what we're after. And it, it kind of comes to this idea of focusing on Christ. He's, he talked about here, fixating on Christ. Um, and the fact is we can be preoccupied with our own fears. That, that's easy to do now. You know, you, you feel anxious and you're not sure whether, you know, you're going to be able to have this or that tomorrow. Um, or your other people might be worried about, you know, what others think of them. That can just preoccupy people. And here it's saying we're to keep our focus on the person and the work of Christ. And I remember reading about a guy by the name of William Henson. Um, they talked about, you know, these animal trainers who hold a, a stool up to lions. And, um, you know, you always think, what, why a stool? And, uh, and, and he said, you know, you can have your whips and pistols and all that. But the stool is one of their best um, tools, and it's because when he holds the stool by the back and he puts the legs toward the, the lions, they try to focus on all four legs at once. 
And in an attempt to focus on all of those, it's kind of like this, almost like this paralysis that overwhelms the animal and it becomes weaker and tamer um, because its attention is fragmented. And I think that's exactly what happens to the Christians. And I'm afraid we get fragmented um, when we fixate on things other than the author and finisher of our faith. Um, so I, I know that this sounds kind of Sunday schooly and pie in the sky stuff, but what, what could you say about that, about fixing on Jesus? Yeah, I mean, that's such an incredible thing to consider uh, that, you know, it, as we study the life and the work of Christ, both, you know, in the first century and then think of what he's doing now and then we look at what he's going to do in the future, um, he all of a sudden becomes the, the pioneer, the, the guy that, that's leading the way, right? And and it, I think the running example is a good one because, you know, whenever you look at a, a someone trying to set, let's say, a four-minute mile, that's always tough for, for people to break the four-minute mile. Even nowadays, if you want to break it, it's very rare that you do it without having someone that's going to try to pace you to and, and, and come out and run like they'll have a guy run a lap to pace you and then another guy will come out and you'll just keep, you need to have someone ahead of you to say, I need to stay at this pace, otherwise I'm going to have a tendency to slow down. I need to have a target to look at to keep myself going. And, you know, that's sort of the picture we have here is that, you know, uh, Christ is the, the bullseye, you know, and what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us, if we keep our eyes on him, you know, we've got a, we've got a target to, to, to shoot for. And I think, you know, again, in running, I've watched again, watched Brandon and many other runners. The minute you see a runner just sort of looking back over their shoulder and they're yeah. no longer looking ahead, yeah. you, you can sort of tell what's happened to them as they've decided, I'm no longer caring about really trying to get the, you know, to, to get to the guy ahead of me. I'm more worried about just holding off the guy behind me. And I think it's always good to say, I'm not like Paul did. I'm not going to look behind me. I'm not going to look at what's, la what's laid behind me. I'm going to press on for what lies ahead. I'm going to look ahead and focus on Christ because yeah. that's how you achieve the, the end result that you're, that, we're, that you're after. In this well, case, yeah. to live like Christ. You know, key words I think of, I think of discipline, you know, discipline in the word. Yes. I think of passion and what's the pursuit of our relationship with Christ. I think of encouragement, the help of other believers all play a part in us focusing on Jesus. I think all of us, you know, yes. we can uh, we can get off track and uh, might be a, a spouse, family member, or friend who gets us back on track and uh, encourages us. So all those things help. And one of the things I think I want to this concept, I think, is so important for us as Christians today, especially in this society. I mean, I, um, I, I think we struggle with this because we have it. Um, we enjoy so many freedoms and, and, and privileges here as, as an American. And I, I thank God for that. You know, I don't look upon that and curse that. I, I'm thankful for that. But I think that it can, if we're not careful, cause us to have these expect expectations about how the Christian life is supposed to work. And then I read the scriptures and it's like, wait a minute, I'm not reading what you're saying, you know? Um, so for instance, in Romans, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And then in James 1, 3, and 4, it says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, uh, lacking in nothing. And if I read this right, I think what it's saying is we can't mature. We can't grow without hardship. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a good athlete. You can't, there's no, you're not going to get the gain without going through some of the pain here. And I think that that's sort of the picture 
that, you know, you're going to have to go through some of these things, sufferings and trials and persecutions and things. And as a result, he tells us, the good news is he tells us that it, re it produces a good result. And again, you're back to looking towards the result and fixing your eyes, you know, to get to that result. And, and that keeps you motivated. So, yeah. Yes, yes. And in getting back in James, it says, you know, let endurance have its perfect result. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So apparently the believer can short circuit the intended impact of trials by not letting endurance be complete. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have to realize that there's a, there's a goal that God is trying to accomplish in us that hardship um, is a part of trials and, and perseverance is the answer to that. Endurance is the answer to that. Um, perfect result. It, it comes from a, a Greek word, teleos. It means to mature or to be of full age. The same is used in Hebrews 5.14 where it says, but solid food is for the teleos, the, the mature, who because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And then James even goes on to explain in verse four that to be teleos means to be complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, I think God is seeking to develop a Christian who is, you know, got everything he needs, uh, the experiences, uh, the wherewithal to be authentic and mature and, you know, such a person is prepared then to cope uh, with life's adversity, with a deep reliance upon the sufficiency of Christ, upon the grace of God. Um, and uh, to me, man, that is, uh, that is just such a cool concept. You know, we talked yes. the last time we met about being, you know, uh, under endurance, uh, laying under and, uh, you know, we're, we're submitting to God and we're, we're constantly acknowledging I need God and I, I want to submit to you. So um, let's talk for a second about the difference between being a passive observer of this versus how we can actually participate and be deliberate in our perseverance, in our submitting under. You got any ideas about that? Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I clearly, I think, is if you, if we took more time and had more time to study this to a, a bigger picture, you, you'll begin to find, I believe, in the New Testament that we are called to be active, right, in this endeavor. This isn't a passive endeavor. This isn't just the Lord and no, nothing to do with that. I mean, we, we are involved in this, you know, so... Um, yeah, you think about a passage like Ephesians 4, for example, in, in verses 11 through 13, he uses, he ends up using the same word. And this is to the church, he says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a teleos man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Well, clearly, you look at this passage, we're talking about the gifts that the Spirit gives people and uses within the body to equip and encourage the saints to work, the, you know, to serve and building up the body. And he goes on to say, what are, what are we working towards? And he's saying to attain a unity and belief in the faith, a, a, a deep knowledge of the Son of God, and then all of a sudden you have your word, Kevin, that you're talking about here, a teleos man, a person that's reached that, that mature or complete uh, stature. And obviously this is not, Paul here, he's not talking about a passive thing where we just sit back and do nothing. This is, these are, these are admonitions here to the church for people to take the gifts that they've been given and to serve and to work diligently within the body. So and that's in the context of the church, but, you know, but I, I think in our daily lives, uh, you know, there's no question in my mind as you study the scriptures in their entirety. The Lord seeks us to walk with him, to know him, 
to desire him. And as we do that, as we pour our hearts out before him, um, you know, he draws near to us and he will then work on us and mold us and shape us and draw out those things that, that we're struggling with. Like when David said, you know, search me and draw these things out and then lead me on. I mean, clearly we are active in this process. We are not just passive. In fact, when we are passive, and I can point to some stories in the Old Testament where David was, he was passive for a while. He didn't do a whole lot. Well, guess what? God got back a hold of him and had to rattle his cage and got him redirected and kept him moving. So, you know, I think that, you know, we are clearly to be active in this endeavor. This is not something that we just sit back and, and, and watch the Lord do it all. He's going to be the power source. Don't get me wrong, but he expects us and calls us to be engaged with him. So good. That's so good. And, you know, I think in a practical sense, you know, when you talk about drawing near to God, being intimate with God, how that helps and endures. You know, I think of even in human relationships, you know, like if you've been married a long time, you might have a period of time, a, a day, a season in which things are not going well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. And and it it has a way of sapping your strength. It has a way of, you know, um affecting your motivation. I mean it just it it it, it just seems to envelop us. Okay. Yes. I mean and, and I think part of that is just God's design. Get this taken care of, man. Don't let this go. All right. Don't ignore yeah. this, right? Um, but I think it's the same with the Lord. That conversely, when you are walking with God, there is a true spring in your step, motivation, clarity of mind. Um, and, and I don't want to make that sound like that happens every time, you know, like it's some kind of euphoric experience, because it's not. But yeah. I think there is a confidence that that brings and uh, just a great blessing to have that. And to know that you're genuinely loved by God. Yes. I mean, what is better than that? And what, yes. what helps you in enduring other than knowing that and meeting with God and having that assurance? Amen. Amen. So, yes. Well, uh, just to add to what you're saying, you know, Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, We exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, Perseverance, proven character, improving character, hope. And then I'm going to run to Colossians 1.11 that says, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And then it adds this, joyously. I mean, a fruit of having this is not just making it, but doing so with joy. So when Christ does this, there is, you know, not a, a plastic smile, but a genuine joy that we can have even in the midst of the hardship. Second um, Thessalonians three five says, "May the Lord direct um, uh, direct you into the love of God, um, into the steadfastness of Christ." Again, there's that word for endurance. And um, and that's linked to Christ. And so you could, we just go on and on about this. Um, yeah. But I think uh, the point is that I'm not running. I'm not trying to escape all the trials. I'm not quitting uh, in my relationship with him or with others. Um, you know, when you ever have the experience where somebody maybe confronts you and says, hey, man, you know, I have felt this. You know, I think something's going on here. You know, do, do you think this? Do you think that? And I know it's difficult for the other person, um, but you're like, man, you know, thanks for doing this because I'm just, I'm just glad that instead of running, instead of quitting, instead of not addressing, you're being honest, and that always moves me toward that person, never away. It's yeah. always, it's always helpful to know that. This person cares enough, respects enough to have the conversation. And to me, it's the same in our troubles with God, in our hardships. And I think, you know, God can take us, you know, even if we're, if we're you know, anxious, angry, fearful. It's like, Lord, 
I know I may not be feeling what I should be feeling, doing what I should be doing right now, but man, I need you. And I, I mean, he just wants us, right? And um, uh, the worst thing we can do is quit, give up, be deceived that he doesn't care. Um, yes. And I think it's the same with other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah, Kevin, I just a real quick, super quick comment on that, that, you know, when you do go back to the long distance race, that's normally what the struggle is, is your body's telling you to just quit. And the, the troubles and the hardships and the term, you know, the issues you're facing, facing are telling you, you know, just throw in the towel. It's all, it seems like a whole lot easier to just throw in the towel and call it good. But that is where the call for endurance and perseverance, that's where it comes into play because yes. that's where you're right on the brink, right? And you have to say, I, yeah. I don't want to go down that road. I need to persevere here. It's going to be tough. I, I do not want to throw in the towel. Yes, yeah, that's true. You know, Hebrews 10, 30, uh, 36 says, you have need of endurance. Now think of that. Yeah. Wow. How do you know that? How do you know what you have need of? I think he's saying, don't quit. Quit yes. quitting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, Revelation 3.10 says in the Church of Philadelphia, they're praised because they kept the word of my perseverance. So they're cooperating with God's work, depending on Christ through the trial, may not have all the answers. And I mean, we're we're dealing with a situation now where, you know, I, I can't speak with any surety what we're going to do a week from now because everything's changing so quick. Yeah. yeah. But I know God has got it in control and I can go to him. I can draw from him some wisdom, even though I can't speak with great certainty about other things. But I still want to lead people to him. Um, but the point is, uh, as we abide in Christ, our endurance is going to be increased and uh, we might be in a spot a year from now, even a month from now. It's like, wow, you know, I, I couldn't see it then, but now I see what, what God is doing. Um, we've been going through the book of Acts for the past uh, several years at CCC. Way back <laughs> in Acts 5, um, uh, we read about a situation when a group of apostles were put in jail and flogged uh, for preaching the gospel um, and you know they were flogged uh, a prisoner was stripped often tied to a post beaten um, you know there was a lot of things that went on during this and often this punishment was fatal and it would leave the prisoner bloody and scarred and we read this that when the apostles were released first of all what they didn't do okay they didn't say, you know, we're going to sue you. We're calling the ACLU. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they didn't uh, go find their friends and start packing heat and go, you know, bum yeah. rush the Romans. They didn't do that. Um, uh, they didn't curse their persecutors. Okay. But li listen to Acts 5, 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing, rejoicing, that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. I mean, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, that perspective, yeah, it's just incredible. You know, every time you read that, that section and you come to that verse, it's like that shows a completely different perspective than the normal human you know, response would have ever been to that. As you said, the normal human response would have been all these other things, you know, attack, attack, do, you know, what, you know, what, what, it just, we're going to have to get back at them. But to come away with this attitude and actually, it actually rejoice in this. I know, man. I, I mean, to tell you, listen, the worst thing that can happen to me is not that I get COVID-19. Yeah, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing that could happen to me is not that I would die. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing to happen to me is that I would think that God forgot about me. That I would give up on my faith. That's the worst thing that would happen to me. You know, you have these people. Imagine that scene walking out from those Romans 
shoulder to shoulder yeah. is a band of brothers, blood soaking through their clothes, their captors watching as they stroll away. And these blood-soaked warriors for Christ, they're radiating, they're glad, they're rejoicing. If I get COVID-19, I don't want it, okay? I'm not asking for it. I'm trying <laughs> not to get it, okay? I'm taking precautions, right? Yeah. But if I get it, I want to get it radiating. I want to get it glad, rejoicing. No matter what, that has to be where my heart is at. Because I think that's what God can give me in that moment. And what I want to encourage our people is that um, I know you're facing trials. And I know it's hard. And we've got the same God that the apostles had. Who's working in the heart of his children. And I want us to not only endure, but to endure rejoicing. So let's go before the Lord right now and just ask him to strengthen our hearts. Father, I pray that you would work in the brothers and sisters of Christ Community Church and in others who maybe just are listening. Encourage their hearts, Lord, to know that you're there, that you care, that you love them, that uh, you would give them joy of your presence and of your promises and that they can choose to endure, strengthen them, Lord. Encourage those who've lost their jobs. Encourage those who are sick. Encourage those who are not sure where the next paycheck is coming from. Encourage those who are just anxious and uh, and let them know that you indeed are the author and finisher of our faith and that we're in your hands. And then if you're listening to this message and you don't know Christ and you're to die right now, you don't know whether you'd be with God in heaven, I want you to pray to receive Christ right where you're sitting as you're listening to this message. Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Acknowledge that Christ died, was buried, and rose again for your sin. You can pray a simple prayer like this. Say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that uh, you, Lord Jesus, died on the cross for my sin. You were buried and rose again. And because of that, I ask you to forgive me, come into my heart, and change me. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. You can let us know on Facebook. Um, you, can, uh, you can text the number that I gave. At the beginning of this message, you can uh, email us. You can get on our website, let us know. Call the church office. we got material we'd love to send you. And uh, it's, it's been great to have you. And, Father, I just thank you again for this opportunity to meet together. I thank you for Joel and this chance that we have. And um, we love your word, and we love this time together. And I pray that you'll encourage our people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Joel, once again, thank you so much, brother. I sure appreciate your time and uh, your insight. Yeah, thank you too, Kevin. It's been great. God bless you. Yeah.